Blog Talk Radio. I am Josh Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the rescue. Nick, what is up, my friend? Oh, not much, Josh. I was doing a little better before I heard the news that the Redskins were interested in the Nadamakan Sioux. I just, you know, they already broke the bank twice for defensive tackles, and it didn't work out. Some people say Sioux could be the biggest free agent since Reggie White on the defensive side of the ball. And if he lands in the right place, that's true. But Washington's not the right place for that to happen. Yeah, when Reggie White went to Green Bay, they were essentially a couple pieces away, and they obviously they went on to to get their Super Bowl. Uh, no offense to your uh, your uh, fair Redskins down there in Washington, but uh, I think they're more than a couple pieces away. Uh, same oh, thing definitely. with him going to my Raiders. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, there was apparently a trade in the NFL yesterday. Nick, did you hear about this? Um, that, that running back for Philadelphia, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Shady McCoy. To Buffalo for Kiko Alonso. Now, the deal is not official until March 10th, but it seems like it's probably 95% a go. I heard some report that Shady's going to make it difficult for it to happen. We'll see what happens. But uh, uh, what do you think about this, and what what, what, are, what, are, your, what are your thoughts and maybe some of the, the dinosaur implications? Uh, well, right now, LaShawn McCoy is ranked our uh, running back number three in Dynasty format. So he's 26 years old and under contract for the next three years. Uh, was traded for Kiko Alonso, who's uh, currently our linebacker number 10. Uh, as far as McCoy goes, I could see him getting increased workload. You know, Chip Kelly likes to spread the ball around a lot in Philadelphia, whereas I could see Rex Ryan just riding McCoy into the ground a lot more than Philadelphia would have. Unfortunately, playing in a less high-powered offense means he's unlikely to match the 16 touchdowns he scored over the last two years. Uh, as far as Kiko Alonso, he's definitely an immediate upgrade over Casey Matthews and the 30-year-old Demeco Ryans. But, you know, he's going to the, from a 4-3 system to a 3-4, which was also expected in Buffalo. So I don't really think a lot changes for either guy as far as a dynasty is concerned. You know, fantasy aside, though, I don't really understand this trade. You know, I think Philly wins long-term, Buffalo wins short-term, but... I thought Philadelphia was more built to win right now, whereas Buffalo is farther away, even with solid defense. You know, uh, I guess I guess uh, Buffalo also did acquire quarterback Matt Castle today in a trade for a couple draft picks, so that'll help a little bit. But I, I still think the Bills need a better quarterback to, to win, especially in that AFC East. Well, there's some thought from inside here at the DFW family that uh, there may be – I don't know if I believe this or not, but they think Chip Kelly is maybe planning on moving Alonzo because he thinks he has better trade value, maybe moving Alonzo and Foles to get up to that number two pick. But, you know, it's just hard when you have a guy coming off an ACL like that and you just don't know. I mean, I love Kiko Alonzo more than I probably should, but uh, uh, the the fact of the matter is he hasn't played for a year and we don't know how he's going to respond. Um 
Uh, McCoy's 26 years old. I mean, <laughs> he's still got a couple of good years. I mean, granted, he could, you know, tear, no, heaven forbid, tear his ACL week one and be essentially be done. But, uh, you know, as far as the, the rest of this, I mean, I guess we'll see. You know, I don't think Sproles is going to necessarily get a bump. But conversely, I think Fred Jackson is going to kind of be the Darren Sproles next year. You know how much I love my guy F. Jackson. Um I talked to our friend Vonnie last night, and he said he's still going to draft F. Jacks. He's just going to wait till like, the last round because nobody else is going to do it. So uh, <laughs> just a little insider information there from Buffalo Bills fan. Um, uh, and, that, you know, that's the thing. I think it actually maybe hurts McCoy's value because, you know, Ryan, you know, maybe Kelly spreads the ball around a little bit more, but Ryan's kind of been the guy to ride the hot hand too. You know, he didn't really necessarily commit to a running back last year there with the Jets with Ivory and Johnson. He just kind of went with what was working. And I think, um, you know, I don't, you know, Bryce Brown's obviously going to be, you know, his value takes a hit here. But we, who knows? You know, who knows who's going to rise up there? And uh, obviously, the uh, the other big one is uh, the person getting the bump is uh, Preston Brown there in Buffalo, who filled in the role really well there for. Uh, for Alonzo last year when he got hurt, so that's 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 the big bump there, and he's going to certainly be a great a great ID, IDP play for a lot of people next year if he's going to get a chance. Um, that's uh, that defense. I don't unfortunately, you know, as much as I love Alonzo, I don't think that defense is going to necessarily miss a beat. They still need a little bit of help there in Buffalo, but that's uh, a big step in the right direction. I want to know what two picks Buffalo traded. You know, since they already traded some picks for Sammy Watkins last year. What on earth did they trade to get Matt Castle, who's north of 30? And uh, just, you know, I mean, uh, what are they doing here? Just, you know, some I, I've read a little bit where some people think they, they don't, there's a potential that EJ Mando's not even on the roster there next year. Um, I, guess, I guess we'll see. I don't know if they would give up on him that, that soon. You know, I mean, I know Rex Ryan didn't draft him, but uh, he was able to sit there and, do with uh, Geno Smith as long as he did. I think he could handle at least one more, one or two more years of uh, EJ Manuel. But they still need a quarterback. There is a couple teams out there that need a quarterback. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm sure the the trading is not done, and we're going to see a lot more uh, a lot more things to happen in, in, the, in the coming weeks here. Um, got a great show for you today. We're going to cover the AFC West. Uh, but first, we're going to start with a draft hopeful by the name of Arthur Ray, uh, who is an offensive lineman and a, a cancer survivor. We're going to get, get into a little bit of that with him, and uh, he's going to talk to us about that. He's from went to Michigan State and later transferred to Fort Lewis College to, to finish out his uh, thing. He had his, actually had his pro day yesterday, so we uh, we hit him up at the at the right time, and hopefully he'll be calling in here in a couple minutes. Uh, we also have a Beverly Lazenby from NFL Female to come and talk about my Oakland Raiders. We'll, then we'll touch upon the rest of the teams there as well. Um, so, yeah, like I said, uh, Arthur will be joining us uh, momentarily here. Um, we're also going to talk about a, a rugby player who signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Just a $100,000 deal. Might, might end up making the team. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. But, uh, that's uh, still that's still all up in the air. Um, sorry, too many screens in front of me here. Um, and we're going to talk about who got tut, who got cut, and who got tagged. 
We'll also do a little dynasty dilemma as we pit Keenan Allen against Brandon Cooks. Nick's going to rant, and we're going to get you let you kind of know what's going on with the veteran combine. And uh, I want to remind everybody that our March rankings are up, so make sure you look at the ADP rankings right now on uh, DFWDynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Our staff is doing a great job breaking down some top rookie prospects. We just had uh, Brian Hawks just touched on uh, Shaq Thompson yesterday. Make sure you check that out. Um, right now we're doing complete recaps about coaching changes and free agents for each division. That's why we're doing the, this division today. Um, we also have a film room up where you can go watch top prospects in this, in this year's draft, all located in one con- one convenient place. Make sure you check that out. Our rankings are updated monthly, like I said, and the March ones are already up. Um, please make sure and visit uh, the DW forums. They're very active. You can talk shop, seek trade advice, or just get, or talk about long-term values of players uh, from our knowledgeable staff and other people that uh, we are familiar with and trust. So make sure you check that out. Check out uh, DFW's exclusive mock draft database, too. Um, you can see what uh, what people are doing for Dynasty, Redraft, and then IDP League. So make sure you go to Dynasty Football Warehouse to check all that out. We're doing a, we've got a lot of good things going, and we're excited to bring you a whole bunch more as uh, this Fun-filled, exciting off-season continues to roll. A uh, lot, lot of things to, a uh, lot of things to get to, um, and a lot of, a lot of people to cover. So, like I said, Arthur should be joining us uh, momentarily, Nick. But uh, what, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about this veteran combine thing? Um, now, I, I was kind of all for it, and we talked about this a little while ago, and who was going to be involved. But now it seems. Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens are going to be there. I think this is more of a a media thing, don't you think? It's. it's I thought it was going to be a, a, a shot for these players that haven't been able to make rosters get a chance to you know relook at since people hadn't seen them since maybe the combine. But what are they doing bringing To and Chad Johnson into the mix? Yeah, it really is too bad that they're choosing to go that route with it. It seems like it's just going to be a circus now instead of an actual chance for some under-the-radar guys to get a second shot. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> we said before, we know by the, the type of people that they invited to it what it's going to be like. So uh, I'm not going to – I probably won't put much stock into what happens there. Yeah, it's just a – like I said, you know, and Michael Sam's they're also there too, and, you know, there's obviously, you know, his situation there and what uh, what what all what all you know he has has going on for him. It's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. Uh, you know, Ray Rice is not going to compete. Uh, maybe that was too much uh, media frenzy. Frenzy. I thought they may be losing advertising or whatnot. But uh, I, I just don't get the fact of even doing it if you're bringing in, especially you know, no offense to the. To Ocho Cinco and To, but how, I mean, how old are these guys? What, do they really think they're going to come back after nobody's wanted to touch them for three years and come back to the NFL and uh, and produce? I just, I just don't get it. So, um, well, let's move on, Nick, to uh, the best number ten in NFL history. This is a series we've been doing. We've been going through the the, the numbers one, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and now we are here at. Ten. What do you got for us on the best number ten in NFL history? Well, I'll mention our friend Charlie Batch real quick. I think if you if you come on the show, you get to an honorable mention along the with the the greats of the game. But 
Moving on, we'll go to a linebacker who played 11 years with the Giants starting in 1973, also went to Oakland and Cleveland. Uh, Brad Van Pelt went to five straight Pro Bowls from 1976 to 1980. Um, And now Jets fans probably hate me for putting his name on the list, but Santonio Holmes was a Super Bowl MVP for Pittsburgh, so i got to mention him. There's a lot of uh, a number of solid, if unspectacular, quarterbacks like Jim Zorn, Chad Pennington, Mark Mark Bulger, Trent Green, Cordell Stewart was fun for a while. Uh, Our next guy went 24-7 and as a starter over his first three years in the league uh, from 1985 to 1987 before being traded from Washington to Oakland for the best left tackle in football at the time, Jim Lachey. Uh, Jay Schrader, yeah, it didn't quite work out so well for him in Oakland. Went seven and ten over his first two years in Oakland. Sixty-one and thirty-eight as a career starter, though. Yeah, uh, you know it's not a really overwhelming list here at number ten, but our top two guys are pretty good. Our first runner-up had a rough start through his career. He went eight twenty-seven and two as a starter his first three years, but ended up a nine-time Pro Bowler, forty-seven thousand yards, three hundred forty-two passing touchdowns, and plus he had a uh, three thousand six hundred seventy-four yards rushing along with thirty-two touchdowns. But Fran Tarkenton never won a Super Bowl. So I'm going to take Eli Manning as the greatest number 10. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, only three Pro Bowlers. And, you know, I never personally liked him ever since the draft, the whole I won't play for San Diego garbage. It's one thing to take a moral stand against the draft system in general, which some view as unfair, but it struck me as more of a I'm above the system type of attitude from Eli. But that being said, he plays for Coach Copham, who from the outside doesn't appear to be the easiest guy to work for. Plus, he plays in New York. Both factors, I think, raised the difficulty level for him through his career. Yes, he was fortunate to have great defenses in both Super Bowl runs, but he led the team and made the necessary plays to become a two-time team. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess Eli did win two Super Bowls. But look at those defenses he had, you know, straight hand and tuck and, and uh, yeah. Uh, Osuyo Minori, he had some pretty quality defensive players and, there's maybe a couple of lucky plays involved in those Super Bowl wins, too. But, uh, uh, you know, Fran Tarkington took over the Vikings when they were not a very good team, ran for his life. Uh, t- I don't even know what the, what the specs on him were, but uh, I, I, I really just appreciated watching, watching film of him. I'm unfortunately not old enough to see him play live, but I think what he did with what he had maybe – Maybe puts him a little bit over over Eli for me. I mean, I think Eli came into a good situation, um, and you know, look where look where look where they are now. I think if you know Eli was the best number ten ever, he would have his team in the playoffs every year, and not uh, not down this path that they are on. A uh, couple other guys that wear number ten that have that wore number ten that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame: uh, Jan Stenerud, who also appeared on our list as number. Um, also wore number 10. Um, and the other guy worth a mention here is uh, John McNally, and I want to mention him because his nickname was Blood. Excuse me, John Blood McNally. I just thought that was a a killer nickname. He played for the Milwaukee Badgers, the Duluth Eskimos, the Ports, Pottsville Maroons, the Green Bay Packers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates of all teams. He was a running back, and he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and his name is Blood. I thought that was pretty pretty darn cool. But anyway, um, I have not heard from Arthur, so we're just going to plunge forward here, Nick. Um, well, we're, right now we've been doing this thing called what we like to call Dynasty Dilemma, and that's where we pit two players against each other. Today, uh, since we're in the AFC West, we 
we are got Keenan Allen against uh, Brandon Cooks. We're going to have try to have at least one player of each division there. So uh, I got a little music here as we get focused for Dynasty Dilemma. Okay, time for the Dynasty Dilemma. Like I said, Nick, you got Brandon Cooks. Uh, I have Keenan Allen. I am going to go first because I have a really good segue to swing it to you. So there, so there you go. Keenan Allen will be on April 27th. He will turn 23 years old. He's, he already has two years of NFL experience gained. He does not play for the Saints, and there are six receivers shuffle. So Allen, Allen had a down year last year because uh, he went he went over a thousand yards as a rookie. Only had 700 last year, and went, also went from eight touchdowns to four touchdowns. Uh, so what? He's still a young player, and he's going to bounce back. Um, you know, if people are trying to get rid of him in dynasty leagues, oh, jump on him immediately. Redraft if he if he slips because of his down year last year. Uh, that's just great value for you. He still had 121 targets, which was more targets than he had the year before. Um, he's going to be a thousand yard receipt, thousand yard receiving threat for at least the next five to eight years, I believe. Um, unless, you know, something happens. He's still young enough to where uh, uh, he's, he can contribute now, but he can also be a great player for this team to build around in the future. Um, uh, now, Nick, uh, time for you to unsheath Brandon Cooks. And by that, I mean, how is that wrist sheath of Brandon Cooks to it? Well, <laughs> it's a wrist injury, so it's not going to it's not gonna affect his uh, – his speed, I don't think, but I want to get two things out of the way first. Uh, Keenan Allen is a safer pick. I'll admit that. We've seen him produce for two seasons. He's been in his sophomore slump. He still has 300-yard games and four touchdowns. And secondly, I, I need to admit, I absolutely loved Brandon Cooks going into last year's NFL draft. I had him as my wide receiver number two ahead of guys like Evans and Kelvin Benjamin. So I am a little biased in Cooks' favor. But, you know, I still really like him. I mean, what's not to like? He's crazy fast. He plays under a great creative offensive coach who now has 10 games of tape to to find ways to better utilize his skills. Uh, when you look at his stats, two of his last four games, he had 90 yards or more and a touchdown, so he was getting more consistent production before getting hurt. Uh, six of his ten games, he had 50-plus yards. Seven of ten games, he had five or more catches, so in PPR leagues, I give him an even higher little bump up because he's going to catch a lot of short screens. Uh, look at the players around him. Jimmy Graham can't stay healthy, but he still attracts attention, attention from uh, from defenses. Uh, Colston's going to be 32. Mark Ingram is free agent, so Cooks could see a lot more work in year two. Uh, and unlike last week's Brandon Oliver versus Bishop Sankey, or a couple weeks ago, uh, the matchup, you know, those were two guys I wasn't really high on either of them, but in this case, I really like both of these players a lot. I just feel like Cooks' superior athleticism gives him a higher ceiling than Keenan Allen has. Yeah, and you know, kind of like what you pointed out, too, with him, you know, maybe missing some time last year, his value might be down a little bit this year. So uh, these these guys could certainly be be steals. Uh, you know, there's a lot of older players there in in New Orleans. So who knows what's what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, trades can happen, free agency or whatnot. So uh, yeah, I I like both of these guys too. There's a lot of kind of mixed emotions there about uh, how people feel about uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, Alan, like you said, Allen is definitely the safer pick, but. Uh, Cooks, you know, if he could, if he can get things going and, and and really cement himself as maybe the number one target there, and at least number two behind uh, Jimmy Graham, he could be 
they can both be in for good things. Uh, yeah, it's uh, an interesting case here because, you know, one of them just has a little bit more of a year of experience, but uh, Cooks is part of a, an amazing wide receiver draft class that I think Keenan Allen maybe overachieved right away, so people don't necessarily want to trust either one of them because of maybe maybe where they, where they came from or how they got in the league. But I, I think uh, I think these guys these guys are going to be maybe some under the radar guys, but you got to see you got to look at them and see uh, see the value there definitely. So um, uh, Teverly is going to be joining us about ten minutes to talk about the Oakland Raiders. Uh, but what are your thoughts, Nick, here about Mr. Jared Haynes trying to? Go from rugby superstar to NFL running back. Now, I don't know anything about rugby or Australian rules football. I've tried to watch it on ESPN. I really have, and I just don't understand what the hell is going on most of the time, <laughs> which is weird because I'm a man and I love sports, and I just can't quite grasp it. But, you know, one would think if he can play rugby and, and be, the you know, the best player down there, with no pads whatsoever, he should maybe be able to do some damage here in the NFL, and he thinks he's going to be a running back. What, what are your thoughts there? Well, it's interesting. I'm also not very familiar with rugby, but what, you would think that those skills would translate better to the NFL than like a track star or something like that. But, again, I was fooled uh, back years ago when Brock Lesnar tried to make it in the NFL. I thought a wrestler's understanding of leverage would help him in some way, and he didn't make it at all. Uh, you know, I really hope that uh, that Hayne can make it, but I, I personally wouldn't count on it, especially at 27 years old. That's pretty old to be trying to start it and start out in the NFL. He did get a $100,000 guaranteed on his contract from San Francisco, though, which is pretty rare for a guy who hasn't played a hasn't played any NFL football. But again, being a rugby player, you definitely can't question his toughness. You know, he's got that attribute. Yep, and like I said, like you said, San Francisco signed him, so. Uh... We'll see what happens there. Um, for some reason, you know, obviously those guys carry the ball. Like I said, I don't fully understand the game. But uh, for some reason, I think a guy who played rugby might be better suited to be like a a linebacker or an edge rusher. Obviously, it depends on, you know, the size of the man and whatnot. But uh, you think that they would have, you know, at least good lateral movement to play, to play maybe better suited to play on the defensive side. I think it might be easier for a rugby player to come to the NFL than an NFL player to go to Australia and play rugby. Not that they don't play rugby here. I know they play rugby here all over the place, but I just, uh, yeah, still still struggling to uh, understand the whole concept of the game myself. So, um, let's get to a couple of questions here in the forum. Nick, we've got a couple minutes, or at least maybe one of them. Um, what are your What are your thoughts here on this? Um, on this Chris Conley guy, I know I know we talked about him a little bit last week after the combine. He he kind of blew up. He set a couple records in the broad jump and the and the vert. Um, we have a have a guy that's uh, in our in our forums here that every, he's done some research on him. Every time every time he watches uh, more more film on him, this is from uh uh it's, it's labeled Man Crush, posted by Jigs. He uh. He said he's fallen in love. I admit that I didn't have him on my radar before the combine, but he's six two, two hundred and thirteen pounds. Set those set those records. Um as a senior, I think we did mention this earlier on the podcast, he only had thirty six receptions, but he was uh, kind of a big play guy for them and uh he's maybe just kind of a an under the radar guy, but he did average eighteen point yards 
18.3 yards per catch. Uh, he just ends it by saying, tell me if I'm wrong. Seems like kind of a diamond in the rough. Why isn't there more talk about this guy? I have draft 3.7 in the DFW uh, rookie mock number five, and I was wondering if I'm missing on something. That's where he got this guy in the rookie mock. Is, or am I just ahead of the curve? What, what, are, what are your thoughts on Conley now that we've maybe had a few weeks to sit and think about what we saw at the Combine? Um, I know I got him in a, in, in a dynasty IDP at the very end of the draft. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking there with Chris Conley? Well, like you mentioned, he's 6'2", 213, and ran a 4'3", 540, so that turned a lot of people's heads. But I think the reason there wasn't more buzz going into him was in going about him going into the combine was his lack of production there at Georgia. He did have some problem with drops, but he's got all the physical tools you look for, and he's smart, too. He had multiple academic honor rolls. And I love the stat that he mentioned, 75% of catches were for first downs or for points. But, you know, the draft is such an inexact inexact science, and fantasy rookie drafts are even more so. So I think if you like a guy with the physical upside that Connolly has, then by all means take him with the seventh pick in the third round, especially if you don't think he's going to make it back around to you in round four. Yeah, um, and I think, too, with the top five guys in this draft, uh, DGB, Strong, Cooper, White, and uh, Parker, you know, I think those five guys are so good, and everybody's so excited about all of them. It's easy to forget because everybody's so focused on getting one of those five guys, especially obviously in dynasty formats. When you got you want to get those rookie wide receivers to kind of build around, people are so focused on getting one of those five guys. It's easy to forget about these later guys. You know, once you get that, if you get one of those top five wide receivers, obviously your main focus is going to maybe go running back and then maybe quarterback after that. Or, you know, if you need a tight end, Max Williams, Clive Wolford have a lot of, have a lot of value right now too in those rookie mocks. Um, but, uh, you know, you're going to find those, you're going to find those deals. I maybe kind of liken uh, Conley to this year to maybe what Jordan Matthews did. He's going to have his games wherever he goes. Obviously that's a lot to me remains to be seen because we haven't hit the draft yet. He's going to have those games where he, he had pretty good games, then maybe he's going to kind of disappear for a couple of weeks, obviously depending on the situation. Um, or he could maybe even have the same path as maybe a guy like Dante Moncrief where he's brought in as kind of the third or fourth receiver and he's going to get a chance, but maybe not unless, you know, an injury gets through right away. So uh, good value there, but I wouldn't, you know, I'd say the third, the third round is certainly the highest I would want to go on him. Depending obviously on on your situation, if you're really thin at receiver and, and, and you think you like, you think you need him and you you, you like him, by all means, just uh, jump on him. I definitely would say that. So, um, uh, what are people doing trading kickers, Nick? Uh, we have another Des Bryant trade. Um, tra- one player is trading pick one point four. And 1.22, and 2016 third round pick. All that for just Des Bryant in return. Now I've been, you know, big on receivers and Des, guys like Des because I feel like he's probably in the peak of his career and he's probably got you know four or five solid years of production left. Uh, only only has the one year tag now back in uh, at Denver. But uh, what what are your thoughts there, Nick? 
Well, it all just depends on the uh, former Des Bryant owner's situation. You know, if he's super stacked at receiver or is just building for the future, then then it's a good trade. But if if unarguably you're uh, if if you're unloading arguably the number one overall pick in startup dynasty leagues, which Des Bryant is, uh, hoping that two rookies are going to take you over the top, then then that would not be a good trade. It just all depends on your situation. Yeah, it it, it does. Um, if, uh, hopefully, this guy that's getting rid of Diz is stacked at receiver, or he needs you know needs running backs or whatnot. You know, if you have that that fourth pick, you're you're gonna certainly get a, a shot at probably one of those one of those receivers. Um, and that's that if that's a fourth pick, and I don't sure if this is it's under 48 or 36, so it's possibly even a first overall pick or or a or a second overall pick. So you're going to get a shot at one of those big guys in this, in this draft. And if you think there's a receiver that's a, you know, a, a transcendent player, a guy that's going to be as good as Dez, I mean, by, by all means, go ahead and, and do it. So, uh, like I said, Tevin will be joining us here in a, shortly. Um, and, uh, we'll get, we'll get to the Oakland Raiders here in, uh, in one minute. Um, what what are your thoughts, Nick? While we have a minute here, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but this this whole uh, Matt Castle thing. What I mean, what 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 have they got up their sleeve? And do you think he's going to be their starting quarterback? I know we just heard about it, but is he the, he's, is he going to be the starting quarterback there week one next year? They go into the season with their current crop of quarterbacks, which is EJ Manuel, Jeff Tool, and Matt Castle. I think it's easily at least a 50 50 shot for Castle to get the starting nod over EJ Manuel. Manuel just wasn't impressive in his first couple of years, and I know he's young and he could possibly improve, but as of right now, I think uh, Matt Castle is probably the better quarterback. Uh, yeah, it's it's a hard call. I, you know, I, I can't decide if I really like EJ Manuel or. I just want my Florida State guy to be good because I I really have grown to have have a kind of a disdain for uh, for J- Jamison Winston, Jameis Winston right now. So I not uh, that I wish him any harm or don't think he's going to do well. I just I don't think he's worthy of of that top pick. I know I'm kind of getting off subject, but uh, EJ I certainly know that there's value there. But I think what hurt him is the fact that Buffalo took this guy so early in that draft when they probably could have waited at least around around to take him. So he, there's added pressure on him to perform because he was a first-round pick. And he obviously, you know, this new coaching staff is not beholden to him at all. But uh, yeah, it's a weird situation there. I think uh, if, I think EJ will get some love if he, if he ends up getting getting cut or, or dealt from this team. I think there's going to be people lined up to maybe give him, give him a shot because I don't think he's done yet. Uh, I got Severly here on the line. Severly, are you there? Hi, Josh. It's Severly. How are you? Good, good. You are on with uh, Nick and Josh here on the Dynasty Pulse podcast, and you're ready to talk about your Oakland Raiders. Uh, Severly is, of course, the, the Oakland Raiders reporter for NFL Female. Um, I almost didn't want to say Oakland there. What, what's going on there, Severly? <laughs> have you heard that? Have you heard this? the news about they could potentially flip-flop and move to St. Louis if the Rams moved to L.A.? What do you think about that? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm all for um, Raiders coming back to L.A. I don't know about them going over there to St. Louis. But, <laughs> yeah, 
definitely if they come back to LA, um, I, I believe there's plenty of Raiders fans in Los Angeles, so it would definitely be a good thing. Uh, yeah, um, and by no means am I am I going to be uh, benefit from it. But there's a, a, a thirty and thirty ESPN documentary about. Uh, the Oakland Raiders' time in L.A. Uh, I think it's produced uh, by Ice Cube, actually. If you haven't seen that, that's certainly that's certainly a great watch. Just a, a short little history there about that team and what they meant to the city when they were there. So, uh, well, uh, why don't you just tell us about uh, NFL Female. Obviously, we know you're the Oakland Raiders reporter, but why don't you just tell us about what you guys are all about over there, Terry? Oh, well, um, actually, uh, the NFLfemale.com is the uh, sisterhood. Um, and we cater towards women who, um, you know, appreciate the sport of football. And um, basically, um, the site is geared towards women or anybody who needs to learn the fundamentals of football. Okay. Well, I, I certainly enjoy this site a lot, and you're you're probably, I think, the sixth lady from NFL FEMA that we've had a chance to talk to on our podcast before. So we, we always awesome. appreciate you ladies and you, and you, you always bring it and you always give us, give us the goods and the inside information on your team. So we, we thank you for joining us. Right on. So, uh, thank you very much. Um, well, what are your thoughts on uh, Latavius Murray? Is it the Latavius Murray show from here on out? Um, actually, I I actually do think it will be the Latavius Murray show from here on, here going forward. Um, you know, he's shown promise in this past season, and I, I think he's going to be uh, perform- continuing to perform very well. No no Adrian Peterson rumors uh, squashing that at all. I mean, obviously he's been rumored to a bunch of teams. It doesn't, doesn't seem like AP would want to go there because we are a couple a couple couple years away from competing as far as I'm concerned, but uh, – is that, is that kind of your thoughts there too? I'm sorry. Say that again. Uh, I, I, do you think there's any any truth basically to the Adrian Peterson to Oakland, Oakland rumors? Uh, I mean, I know there's a, a handful of teams being linked to him right now, but yeah, I mean there are some rumors, but I mean um, you never know. I, it, it's a catch twenty two, is what I always call it, and uh, it's the same thing. I mean, as far as like. <laughs> you know, you you never know who you're going to get or what you're going to get, even when you get that person there. <laughs> okay, uh, Nick, any any questions there for Terry? Um, well, with Latavius Murray, do you think that he improved uh, in the passing game as the season went on? I know he had a season high uh, four catches for sixty yards in Week 17. I think if he could contribute more like that in the passing game, he could definitely see a lot more playing time this year. Exactly. I think you will see a lot more playing time. Um, it would be nice if we have somebody to compliment him, you know. But I, he had a couple of breakout games this past season, you know. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be really good. Okay. Um, speaking of guys around him, obviously with the Raiders have been linked to drafting a, a receiver early, but uh, – um, what uh, is there anybody any receivers on this current roster besides James Jones that you could see uh, uh, emerging? Um, well, other than James Jones, 
I don't really think so. I, I'm really looking towards the draft um, as far as, you know, wide receivers are concerned. I mean, James Jones, I, I, I'm pretty sure, is going to remain there, and hopefully, you know, he will. Um, but, you know, I'm looking towards the draft kind of on the wide receivers, and so I have a few people in mind as far as that's concerned. You know, Amari Cooper or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think Cooper is probably the probably the safest pick there. I, I like Kevin White and what he brings to the table. He seems to be a very tenacious, aggressive receiver. But uh, I, I think Cooper is definitely definitely the safer pick there. Um, you know those Raiders though, Tyler. We love to go for the we love to go for the flash and the speed and the the, the forty right. yard bomb. Not much has That's changed right. there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, we're hoping to get um, a little bit of change as far as that's concerned, I hope. It's, you know, bringing Jack Del Rio and his staff, hopefully that'll change things up a little bit from what we've been used to in the past. Yeah. Well, I I am a big guy, a big Rod Streeter guy as, as a Raiders fan myself. I think that they certainly deserve to give him, him a shot. He proved a couple of years ago that he could be a definitely – a valuable receiver in this in the system that was not very good. You know, unfortunately, he didn't have a chance to really develop that rapport with Carr last year because he was hurt. But I, I think Streeter can certainly be a good player. He didn't come into the NFL with a lot of fanfare, but I think he uh, certainly has proven that he is, he is a worthy player, even if he's the wide receiver three there next year. I, I like what he brings to the table. Um, moving on, what are, what are your thoughts there on the of this Julius Thomas rumors to the Raiders. Is that is that going to be bad news for uh, Michael Rivera, who is another guy that I think is maybe kind of performing a little higher than some people expected? Right. Um, I, I agree with you there. Um, he, Michael Rivera has been performing, uh, you know, a little bit better this past season, and I think he's going to continue to develop. I don't, um, you know, I, I, I if, well, <laughs> um, if we do, you know, bring somebody else, that's fine, I think. But I, I think Michael Rivera will continue to develop as far as his skills and so forth. He's been improving. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have that extra tight end in the game either. Um, obviously, Thomas is, is, is an athletic guy, being the being the former basketball player, kind of that Antonio Gates mentality. Um, but I, I just hope it doesn't uh, stunt uh, Rivera's growth because he certainly had a very he had a very good rapport with you know both quarterbacks that they've had there over the years, and to, to see him yeah. develop that with Carl last year was was really really good to see. And uh, Nick, Nick, any thoughts there about Rivera? Nick is Nick. Nick wanted to put Rivera in the in our fantasy tight end top twenty last year, and I said he was crazy, and he ended up being right. So, any thoughts there, on Rivera? Well, I don't think the rumors are going to hurt him unless they were to actually sign Julius Thomas. But the Raiders have so many holes, I don't see that as being something that they would really need to go after. So, I'm not really buying those rumors. But you know, they are rumored to be adding a top flight receiver either through the draft or in free agency, a guy like Randall Cobb. If they were to sign a guy like Randall Cobb, what do you think that kind of impact would have on Rivera? I think his targets would probably drop, but his touchdowns would probably rise from the four that he has each of the last two seasons. Do you see that as accurate? Terrible. Any thoughts there? If they if they were to add Randall Cobb, you think that'll maybe help Rivera stay open a little bit? I'm sorry. I I'm sorry, you guys. I have a lot of people oh, okay. in. 
any any thoughts there on uh, uh, Randall Cobb to the Raiders, and will that will that maybe help Rivera out if that's true? Um, I do believe that will help Rivera actually. Yeah. yeah I can agree with um, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Any any thoughts there on uh, Sile Moore, and is, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? I'm sorry, did you say Theo Moore? Yep. Yeah, is, is he going to be ready for the start of the season after the the injury um, that he I, suffered? I believe he probably uh, he might be ready by training camp. Um, you know, as far as those hip injuries go, you know, sometimes they reoccur, and, you know, that could come back to bite him later, and let's hope that's not the case. Um, but, you know, I do, I do believe um, Moore will be ready by training camp. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, you, like you said with those hips, it's always it's always hard, you know, especially with the those linebackers that re, that rely so much on their lateral move, lateral movement. It's going to be going to be uh, up in the air and hopefully he can cover cuz I, I really like what I've seen out of him and I've been Nick can be my witness. I've been pounding the doors about more ever since they drafted him. I I think he's he he's got a lot of a lot of edge to his game and I, and I really like that about him. Um any any closing thoughts there? I know we kind of talked about some free agents and some draft thoughts, but any any other thoughts there on the draft and free agency, maybe what we need later on in the draft there? Um um I'm a, I'm a wide receiver <laughs> person. I, I truly believe we do need a playmaker as far as wide receivers are concerned. So hopefully we'll be able to get that um, fulfilled. Okay. Um, so you're you're okay with uh, you're okay with Cobb ending up there? Okay. Say that again. You're okay with uh, Randall Cobb ending up there? That would be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you know Jones is kind of that big target up the middle. So I, if we can get uh, Cobb, a guy that uh, you know that can certainly thread the needle there in the slot, I would certainly like that. Um and I and I like the fact that they're kind of being aggressive there. Um uh real quick, what what are your thoughts on um uh, uh Sue? I don't I don't uh, there's been a few teams rumored to him. I, I don't think that's the best investment there for the Raiders. because um, I think, you know, when he's on the downside of that contract, I think that's when Oakland's gonna be ready to compete and they want they want to, you know, kind of everybody's best foot forward, don't you think? I think if we have the money, we should go for it. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully he can be a, a solid player for the next five or six years. That's going to be probably the deal he's going to want. So, well, Teverly, I appreciate you joining us. Again, it's Teverly Lazenby, uh, NFL female, Oakland Raiders reporter. If you haven't been to NFL female, you need to go there and check it out. Those ladies have it going on, and they know what they're talking about. So make sure you check it out, NFL female. Thank you, Teverly. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. You too. Okay, well we do have Arthur on the line now too, Nick, so we'll go right we'll go right to him. Arthur, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Uh again it's Arthur Ray, off offensive lineman and draft hopeful, uh Michigan State and Fort Lewis College. Uh how was the pro day there yesterday, Arthur? Oh, it, it went well. Uh, at Northwestern, uh, about about twenty nine teams were there, and uh, I had I had a good performance, pretty good performance. Got a lot of 
positive feedback and uh, talk with some teams afterwards. So it was a it was a solid day. Can can you divulge who who you talked to, or is that not 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 privy yet? Oh um well my I'm sure my my agent got contacted by a couple teams he hasn't told me but I talked to um I talked to the Packers and I talked to the, the Giants yesterday. Okay, uh both both good teams that see some see some good value in there. So uh, uh uh Arthur you were on with Nick and Josh here at the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Nick, what what do you got there for Arthur for questions? Uh, so I read it was really hard for you to find a school that would take you. Uh, thankfully, you were able to reunite with uh, head coach John L. Smith, who helped recruit you to Michigan State. You were able to reunite with him there at Fort Lewis. Is there anything you'd like to share with us about Coach Smith from an outsider's perspective? It appears he was probably a fairly influential figure in your life. Oh, um, honestly, it wasn't Coach, coach Smith didn't recruit me to Fort Lewis. Coach Smith just got there the, the same week that I did, so it was sort of kind of coincidental. And, um... Yeah, once I uh, once I decided to transfer from Michigan State, I had a I had I had garnered a lot of interest, and I was actually I was actually going to uh, go to Eastern Michigan. But the the offensive line coach at the time, he took a job with the Buffalo Bills. So then I was sort of sort of scrambling again. So and my friend, one of my real good friends, played receiver at Fort Lewis, and he uh, had told me about it. So I sent my film to their, their the coach right before John Hill. And by the time I got there, John Hill was on campus a couple of days later, so it was, it was crazy. But uh, Coach Smith, he's a Coach Smith's a good guy. You know, he's an um, animated guy. He's a character. He, he's a uh, coach with a lot of passion. Um, he uh, old school to the core. You know, playing uh, playing there for the past two seasons, it was it was fun, and uh, I was I'm just happy I had the opportunity to do it. Okay, well, and you know, for the listeners out there that don't. Don't know your story, Arthur. Can can you kind of tell us all all that happened and you know what happened prior to high school and and why the why the transfer there to school? Can you just kind of kind of catch us up there for everybody? Um. Uh, so I signed my scholarship to Michigan State my senior year of high school, and uh, about a week later, I uh, he diagnosed with bone cancer. I have bone tumor in my shin, my left leg, so uh, I had to start chemotherapy immediately. And uh, so I, I then I had surgery, and I took chemo the rest of that year. And then I, I enrolled in Michigan State in January of '08. But then a few months later, I developed a bone infection, so I had to get rushed back home and had another surgery. And I was at home for eight months with a with a cement spacer in my leg. I didn't have any bone in my left leg, and I had a I was at home with a pick line, and I see a uh, home nurse three days out the week. So um, uh, finally, eight months passed. Have another surgery to put out, put everything back in my leg, all the hardware and uh, cadaver bone, and and I t- got bone from my pelvis took in to to help my uh, tibia regrow again because that's where my tumor was. And I enrolled back in Michigan State. Ultimately, I spent two years on crutches, twenty five months. And once I got off, I just walked, walked around East Lansing for a year, and then the doctors finally cleared me, start jogging a little bit, and then in the spring of 2011, stepped back on the field four years after not playing football at all and not really having a chance to, according to a lot of people. Um, big, big, big year for me, big time. Uh, had a had a 
real solid start. Of course, it was it was new because I have not not played in four years. Then stepping right into Big Ten football, I definitely had to get my body back strong and back used to the pounding of just being an offensive lineman. Uh, I started started the first game of the season because uh, our captain he he uh, gave me his spot for the first play, and that was a real that was a real special moment for me. Just a I guess it was it was the beginning for me. You know, a lot of people didn't think I'd. I'd play much after that, but uh, that that was really uh, that 2011 year. I think was a defining year as far as my progress and overall things. So um, 2011 is over. I was healthy that whole year. You know, 2012 comes. I do spring ball, and then you know I just I just started to you know I'm I'm, I'm a smart guy, so I I started you know I started to realize the business of college football and understand that you know a lot of people didn't think I was going to come back. You know, rightfully so. A lot of people probably wouldn't come back from what I had to deal with. But um so I you know, I I knew that it wasn't it would probably possibly wasn't it gonna be a, a chance for me to get a chance to play much at state. So, you know, I got my degree in December of twenty twelve and I, I called the NCAA and just to ask them about my years of eligibility. So after talking to them extensively, you know, I realized that I'd be able to get two years of eligibility back. And so I just, that's when I started shopping myself, turned into high school recruiting again. I got my film, all the practice film that I had at Michigan State, and I started, you know, sending it to coaches and things of that nature and, you know, found Fort Lewis, found Fort Lewis, made that my home past two years in Durango, Colorado, went up there and uh, a two-year captain and uh, had had two successful seasons, and, and now I'm trying to make my dream come true. Long road. Yeah, certainly a great story there, an inspirational story. How you how, you, how you've kind of persevered through everything, you know, almost four years of not not playing at all, and geez, uh, not even having something, you know, just having the cement space here in your leg. I I, I think about offensive linemen a lot, you know, especially during here in the off season when you kind of watch the pounding that their that their back takes every single play, and then their knees, and I just I can't I can't imagine trying to trying to persevere through that. So you certainly have. A, a strong young man, and uh, uh, hopefully we we can make this dream come true for you. I, I appreciate you joining us, Nick. Any, any questions there? Yeah, I mean it really is an amazing story. But uh, you've been a leader for a long time. I believe you were team captain the last two years, and of course, more importantly, helping other people that are battling that terrible disease. So, is it going to be a weird feeling for you if you make a team going from such a big leadership role to being a rookie, kind of like the the new guy on campus? Oh no! It'd be a be um, I think it, it'd be a nice transition. It'd be something I've been looking forward to for a long time. I'm probably I'll probably be a lot more mature than a lot of the other rookies. But I mean that's that's cool. I'm still be a rookie, still trying to learn the ropes of the NFL, and I I have no problem taking that hat. And uh, because I one of my good friends, Deion Sims, tight end, the uh, Miami Dolphins. Me and him always joke. He always jokes about. How uh, if, if the Dolphins pick me up and be carrying his pad? So that's uh, it'd, it'd be funny. I, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I'd just be I'd be happy to have the opportunity to wear the NFL logo. Mm-hmm. Well, the Dolphins could certainly use some offensive linemen. Uh, I, th- I think the, why don't we swing that to your question there, Nick, too, about uh, where you think he's going to play in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I mean, you played all over the line in college, so where where are you most comfortable on the offensive line, or do you think you're a good fit at all five positions? I think I think I, if 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 needed to be, I could play I could play all five. 
just that's I think that was the reason the reason why I decided to play tackle at Fort Lewis because I knew it'd be a lot of questions about my leg. So I said, you know, if I could kill I could kill most of the questions about my leg by playing tackle because in tackle you gotta you gotta move, you gotta block in space. So and and you and when you're kick sliding you're on an island. So I figured that I'd be able to show my athletic ability a little bit. And um but me personally I I'd, I'd love to play center. I'd love to be in the middle and um and make all the line calls and and then set set the line up and uh start and be basically be the be the leader of the offensive line. I wouldn't I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't wish shy away from that role if a, if a coach asked me today that that's probably where I would I would I would like to to practice at my first day at camp wherever that may be. Did uh any of the teams that you talked to there did they talk about that with you at all or what what they thought they we, they could do with you there as far as position wise? Yeah, they, a lot of a lot of teams interested in me as a center guard, and um, real the center uh, one team they just asked me during the season if I had snapped or was I comfortable snapping, and I said yeah, most definitely. That's honestly my that's my favorite position on the line. Honestly, uh, it was it was the first position in football I ever learned, and you know, but regard besides high school, you know that that's always what I played. You know, I even played I played center at state. Center and guard, so and so yeah, I think I, it won't be a hard transition for me. Okay, um, Nick, any further questions there? Well, for uh, players not invited to the combine, a lot more emphasis mm-hmm. is placed on their pro day. It's not really fair, you know. If a guy just has an off day and bombs his combine workouts, he has a chance to redeem himself as pro day, whereas you right. only had your pro day. So, were you totally happy with your pro day results, or were there any drills where you felt that you normally would perform better in? Uh, I think I guess it, I think I could have performed better. I always feel like I could perform better. I think under under the circumstances, I think I I performed at a high level. I'm pr- I'm proud of how I performed because you know it was a lot of a lot of crazy things going on on pro day. You know you don't really control a lot, and you know we were we only got one chance at all of the drills, and we, we were just running around and scrambling. So you know it was it was it was a high stressful situation, but I, I think I handled it well. I think I showed showed a good. Good showing of myself, and I, I definitely performed well during all during all the drills and, and the position work at the end, because that's what most of the scouts they were that's what they were telling me at, as the day concluded. Okay, um, and for those of us who have are not not experienced the, the, the pro day, is it, is it basically like the combine? Is that same? Is it that that same kind of set of drills? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much all the combine drills. Um, we ran the forty, uh, short shuttle, three cone. We did the bench and, and and all of the jumps, and then we ended it with position work. So it was yeah, pretty much the same setup as the combine. A lot of lot smaller scale. It was only about uh, it was about twenty about twenty five guys at Northwestern the other day, and um, it was only four old linemen. So all four of us we worked together on the old line drills. So it was it was, it was a good day. Okay. Uh, Nick, I think you had one more question there. Uh, yeah, you um, you know you've worked in different uh, different offensive systems. Michigan State's more mm-hmm. of a pro style offense, whereas I believe uh, you ran the pistol there at uh, at Fort Lewis. Is there any specific schemes that you prefer playing as opposed to others? Um, I think I I probably prefer pro style just because of the um, I guess the the added value of the huddle pistol. Pistol, we was a, it was a lot more fast pace, and but I think that's I think honestly the the pistol offense is what prepared me why I think I could I, I wouldn't the transition to center won't be as bad because I I pretty much made 
most of the line calls at left tackle for the team last year. And, you know, I, I was pretty much the, the, the vocal leader of the line. And um, I guess I think I'd, I'd rather play in a pro-style offense, but any I think uh, having that versatility of, of going to – because they're, they're – they're two totally different offenses, you know, in the pistol, all of, all of the play calling is done at the line and it, it's, it's no huddle and we're, and we're fast paced and, and we pretty much we play off whatever the defense gives us. And with the pro style at Michigan state, you know, it's, we huddle up and we've got our set system and a set way we block things depending on the look they give us. And so I, I think I'd be comfortable in either one. Okay. Well, Arthur, you're, you're certainly an, an impressive young man. And, uh, we wish you the best. Um, maybe, maybe my Oakland Raiders could use an offensive lineman too. So maybe the, maybe you get a shot there. So uh, I, I hope, hopefully you get drafted. But if you, if you don't, man, keep your head up and just sign that free agent deal and go, uh, go crack some heads there in, in spring tra- or uh, training camp. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. Hey, so thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us and, and have a great day and good luck to you. All right, thanks. Okay, certainly, certainly an impressive young man there who's uh, uh, been through a lot, and uh, hopefully we uh, we can see his dream come true this summer as he uh, gets a chance. Hopefully, with an NFL team, uh, uh, but it's been a long road for him, and I'm sure uh, sure he's excited to continue in, in a in a more successful path. So, uh, Nick, let's move to the Broncos, and I'm going to try to be nice because. I'm a Raiders fan, obviously. I've said that multiple times today, but uh, I'm going to try to be nice. But uh, what do we think about uh, Cody Latimer and this, his ADP value is just out of hand. I've seen him going in some of our mocks as around, early as around six. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, round six would definitely be too high. I think right now he's currently ranked uh, DFW's number 50 wide receiver, but I'd take guys underneath him like Terrence Williams, Ruben Randall, Brandon LaFell, Kenny Stills over him right now. He's got potential, yes, but it's tough to trust a guy with only two catches in his first year. Wes Welker's probably gone, but he only contributed 464 yards to two scores last year. Plus, you've got the young wide receiver with an old quarterback thing, so if he does have a great 2015 with Manning and then Peyton were to retire, we could see a one-year spike in production there for 2015. If I, if I owned him personally, I'd be hoping for a fast start and then look to trade high on him just, just because I'd be worried about the late-season slump that a lot of Denver uh, pass catchers had last year. Yeah, and with, you know, with Demarius getting tagged by the Broncos, too, that's certainly maybe going to maybe gonna change things a bit. Obviously, Welker's probably not going to be back there, back, back there, so they're going to look, look at him being their third guy, but yeah, Kenny Britt, Brandon LaFell, um, Kenny Stills. You know, I think I would even take Dwayne Bow over Latimer. Obviously, you know, probably in a in a redraft. But uh, yeah, I I just not not sure on there. Um, um, maybe, like I said, maybe things will change now that uh, Demarius is certainly going to be back there at least uh, at least one more year. But uh, People really liked this guy in the draft, and he had a, he had a, a major injury to come through. But uh, I just I, I don't see it. I'm I'm not buying his stock right now. And if somebody if I had him and somebody wants to help help me out, that'd be certainly certainly all right. Um, so right now it's tight ends kind of up in the air there in Denver. Nick, uh, I think Virgil Green, Jacob Tammy, and Julius Thomas are all free agents. 
So if Thomas goes, does Jacob Tammy become Dwayne Bow of 2014? Excuse me, Dwayne Allen of 2014? Mr. I just catch touch. <laughs> well, you're not going to confuse these two players on the field. I mean, Allen's far more talented player. You look at Jacob Tammy's best season was all the way back in 2010 when he had 67 catches, 631 yards, and four scores. Uh, his best year in Denver was in 2012, 52 catches, 555 yards, and two touchdowns. But he's only had one start the last two years when he's had 34 catches and three scores and under 300 yards over the last two seasons. So even if Julius Thomas leaves, I do think Denver would bring in another starter uh, to play above Jacob Tammy. If the 30-year-old Tammy is the starter, then I think he could possibly have stats similar to what Allen did last year, 29 catches, 395 yards, and eight touchdowns while battling through those injuries. Uh, Yeah, you know, I... Tammy followed Manning from Indianapolis. I don't think that was by coincidence. I think if Julius was to go, I think Manning is certainly comfortable with Tammy, and that's why that's why I bring that to the table. Um, he's obviously going to be a cheaper option than Julius Julius Thomas too, because he's old. But uh, uh, Tammy, you know, really un- understands I think how to play the position. He's certainly a valuable blocker as well, but. Uh, yeah, he's had some success. You know, when he kind of broke out there in Indianapolis, you know, he hasn't had the big, huge, you know, Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez kind of years, but he's certainly had some success. He's proven, I think, to be a great pass catcher, and he's a good guy in the red zone too. I think people maybe don't give him enough credit. Obviously, he's not the best athlete at tight end, but there's certainly some value there, you know, if if you need a – you know, maybe not a lot of dynasty value, but if you need a guy just to kind of fill out your roster for the end of the year, uh, I think obviously depending on what happens here in free agency, I think we could see some decent things from Tammy. Um, Brandon Marshall, not that one, the defensive Brandon Marshall, the linebacker for uh, the Broncos, quite a quite a story here. A guy that kind of bounced around from a few different practice squads and finally got a chance to play last year and kind of uh, ignited himself into an IDP stud, don't you think there, Nick? Yeah, I'm not sure if stud might be overselling it. He definitely played really well last year, 95 tackles while fellow linebacker uh, Danny Trevathan was injured. Uh, Trevathan had 105 tackles as a starter in 2013 and is only 25 this year, so he could return. Plus, the team switched into a 3-4 defense, so there could be some uncertainty in the front seven as far as who's going to be the leading tackler. Uh, You you know that sack master Von Miller is still going to be productive, especially in uh, IDP leagues with sack-heavy scoring. Uh, Von Miller is definitely a stud there, but not really in standard IDPs. Um, you look elsewhere along the defense, uh, DeMarcus Ware is probably moving back to linebacker, but at 32, he's probably not an elite dynasty option. So Marshall and possibly Trevathan do have the highest upside on the defense. But, you, you know, call me paranoid, but I'd like to get some positive practice reports of them adjusting to the new defense before investing in them. Uh, right now, if I had to take one Denver defender, I'd probably go with uh, DFW's number 18 uh, defensive back, T.J. Ward. He's not an elite IDP option, but he provides good depth, 62 tackles and two interceptions and two sacks last year, which was his first year in Denver. Uh, yeah, you know, another guy who's a free agent is Raheem Moore. He hasn't had to put up big tackling numbers for Denver, but I think if you were to go somewhere else, he'd certainly be a, a decent IDP option. But I, um, you're probably right there with Ward. But they have a lot of talent on this linebacker squad, and I think Marshall was kind of the, the benefit last year of uh, 
of of other guys, you know, being brought in to where, you know, they, they ran away from the, the talent, the big money guys, if you will, like uh, Ware and uh, and Ward, and uh, they kind of ran towards Marshall, and he was kind of the benefit. And I think he answered the call really well. I think Denver certainly has something to build on there, and he's uh, he is a free agent too, so he's uh, we'll see if he even gets re-signed there. But uh, uh, certainly a, a cheaper option probably than, uh, than than some other guys out there. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts for this team draft wise there, Nick? I know we've mentioned the tight end is a possible need. Uh, uh, draft free agent wise, any thoughts there for this Denver team? Um, well, they don't have a whole lot of cap room to work with. They're sitting at $137.5 million right now. Uh, Peyton Manning's got a $21.5 million cap number, so maybe they could restructure something there. Uh, Vaughn Miller's in the last year of his contract. He's set to make nearly $10 million, so if they give him an extension, that could possibly free up some room. But not a whole lot else they could do. Most of their players that count $2 million or more against the cap would require substantial cap hits if they released them. So they, they've got some work to do there. Um, as far as their needs go, you know, you mentioned tight end. Uh, they're switching from the 4-3 to the 3-4, so they could be in the market for some front seven health guys that fit the 3-4 a little better. Um, you, you know, if I were a second-tier tight end, like somebody like a Jermaine Gresham, I would be pushing my agent really hard to get a one-year deal in Denver so I could cash in the next offseason after having a productive year with Peyton Manning. Uh, beyond that, I think uh, they could possibly look for another wide receiver and maybe some offensive line depth. I know uh, Orlando Franklin and Will Montgomery are both set to be free agents on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, they've they've kind of struggled to keep an offensive line unit together. Um, tight end is a is, is a thing that they maybe should address in the draft. Uh, I don't think this is a very decent draft, but I do like uh, Wolford and Max Williams there at the top. I think. Uh, Jesse James there at Penn State is a really complete tight end as well. Um, and I get that from my buddy uh, Gene Clemens there over at uh, Football Game Plan. He's he's getting dig, digging deep into the tight ends this offseason, so I asked him for some, some advice there on some of those guys, and he really likes James. He thinks Wolford might be a better athlete, but he thinks James is more of a, more of a pure tight end. So, Certainly, some options there, and some options that they can get later. Um, we mentioned they have a lot of a lot of defensive talent, but yeah, maybe maybe offensive line is where they go in the first round. It's kind of hard to see what they do in free agency with that uh, that lack of money around. But if if they can't retain a you know Raheem Moore, they're going to have a, a, certainly a hole at uh, safety. Um, but uh, you know they did well in the draft last year with Bradley Roby. He's a a hell of a player, and I see him getting getting better there for them. So uh, let's go to some more dynasty trade analysis here, Nick. Um, let's get to that kicker trade. I can't believe people. I've been in leagues where it's not allowed to trade kickers. Uh, which, well, I don't like I don't like kickers anyway. But anyway, um, <laughs> as my screen loads here, sorry. Uh, what? Where we got? All right, so Rock Pie, another another DFW guy, has given up Elshon Jeffrey, Sean Sweezen, and Colin Jenkins for a 2016 round two pick, and he's getting Deshaun Jackson, Cody Parkey, Sharif Floyd, and a 2016 first round pick. What are what are your thoughts? There? 
Oh, I think this is a pretty dead-even trade. Uh, the new uh, Alshon Jeffrey owner got younger at wide receiver. Uh, Jeffrey's 25 compared to 28-year-old Deshaun Jackson. But D-Jax is still good for a couple more years, I think. Uh, Floyd, Sharif Floyd's a great young defensive tackle. I, I think this is a, just a win-win. Uh, as far as the stupid kickers go, I'll, I guess Parkey's probably uh, got the edge over Sleesham just due to age and the fact that he plays in that high-powered Philadelphia uh, system there. It just seems like there's hardly, besides Gad Kowski getting tagged, there's hardly any kickers out there that I think they're necessary that their job is secure. Obviously, the Falcons re-signed Matt Bryant. Um, I know Stephen Hauska up there in Seattle has a, uh, has a has a nice contract. They really want him to be there, but uh, I, I don't understand the, the trading kicker mentality. Um, yeah, you know, the guy that's got Alshon, excuse me, that, Traded Elshon is getting the first round pick in return next year, so that's uh, that's certainly a, a good a good turnaround there. Um, it's it, it's hard considering both Elshon and and Deshaun's uh, quarterback situation. Obviously, uh, Cutler's probably got at least another couple good years in him, and he's not going anywhere in Chicago. I think as we've already firmly established. So. Uh, yeah, you're probably close to the, that being a win-win there. So uh, another one here, Nick, the great white north, traded Calvin Johnson, got Emmanuel Sanders, uh, pick 3.25, and a 2016 first-round pick. What do you think there? Um, I like the side that acquired Calvin Johnson. I just don't trust Denver's receivers late in the season with Peyton Manning being, what, 38, 39 years old. Uh, you know, I think he's pretty big risk to get hurt again the way he did last year and production to slide during the fantasy playoff time. And you look at Megatron, he's going to be one of the top five receivers over the next two years and probably a top ten receiver over the next four. So I like picking him up. Okay. Yeah, I think it's you know, it's hard because, you know, Manuel Sanders, they're pro- they, they've got to be about the same age. Manuel Sanders might even be a little bit older. Um, but, you know, Detroit, just when you think they're going to get it together, they don't they don't seem to do that. And Calvin has shown those few kinks in the armor over the last couple of weeks, or last couple of years, excuse me, as he's, as he's lost, been lost due to some injuries. So I think uh, while, while you're getting Calvin Johnson, you are, you are giving up a lot to get him there with those with those two high picks. But, uh, you know, this is a dynasty trade, so, you know, depends on what the rest of that team uh, looks like. Okay, another trade here. I've been offered Andre Ellington and pick 1.5 for my for the, for the rights to my 1.1 pick. I have three good receivers, ODB, Alshon, and Watkins, and no decent running backs. Should I take the offer and give up Gurley for Ellington, especially chance to draft early for Ellington, and, and most likely another receiver. What, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I just think uh, if you're looking at the fifth overall pick, then you have to look at the top eight. Right now, the top eight rookies at DFW are Gurley, White, Cooper, Gordon, uh, Devonte Parker, Doriel Green, Beckham. 
J.A.J., the running back out of Boise State, and Jalen Strong, the wide receiver from Arizona State. Uh, you know, some scouts are really high on this Boise State running back as the most complete back, so if you're high on him, I, I think I'd take that trade because I think it could still get him uh, a little later on. But it, it does feel like, at least before we know who's going where in the NFL draft, that it's a top-four heavy draft this year as far as fantasy rookies. But if you're high on any of the top, like, four through eight guys, I would definitely make this trade, especially if you're loading up for a championship run this year. I do like Andre Ellington if he and the rest of the Cardinals can stay healthy. Uh, yeah, it's hard because where we have these top, you know, we have these top five guys, they're going to go sporadically through that top for the first round probably. I see those top five wide receivers going in the first round, so it just depends on where they end up. Um, now, I I kind of like, um, I would say I think he's better than the other ones, but I think, like I said earlier, I think Cooper is probably the safest pick of these guys. But Jalen Strong is probably going to be either the fourth or fifth wide receiver taken. And if he's going somewhere, you know, like like Kansas City or San Diego, these teams that are certainly on the cusp, they're going to act, they're going to you're probably going to get a little bit more out of these players. Um, it's hard to make these dynasty dynasty trades before the draft, but. Uh, uh, you don't know where these guys are going to go, but you know people are very active right now in doing that. So, um, but I, I I like maybe you know where I like Cooper White and Parker, um, depending on, on where they go in the draft. You know I think if like I said, strong if he goes to a, a better team, it's going to be really really good value there, especially if you're picking later on in that in that uh, that first round. So. Uh, yeah, it's a tough call. Andre Ellington, I don't know if you're anybody's fantasy-wise or NFL-wise is ready to hitch their wagon as their number one running back. He's certainly a, a good guy who catches the ball out of, out of the backfield, too, so that helps his value. Um, I you know, I know a lot of people here at DFW are really sold on Gurley. I, I'm not sure. I just I worry about the injury and how – how long it's going to be until he comes back. Obviously in dynasty formats, you don't, you're not, you're not going to expect him to be the guy right away. Uh, you know, be the, be the leader of your team or be the, be the high point getter. But uh, I just, I worry about it. You know, I, I think about Marcus Latimer, obviously his injury was much worse, but I just, I see guys like that and making that transition into the NFL after, after this big knee surgery. And, and I just, I just, I got to be worried about that a little bit. So, uh, I like Melvin Gordon over him. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Anyway, okay. Next, next question here from Zildjian. I will admit that I, I haven't researched deep enough. But what, but what kind of value might still be there in the mid to late third round pick of rookie PPR dynasty drafts? Uh, just curious. Anyone thinks uh, Rashard Jennings for a 3.4 and Reggie Bush? For a three point nine is worth considering, or if it's a deep draft enough to have have rather than have the picks. Obviously, Bush is without a team. I haven't thought about reject. I have had thought about rejecting the offer for both players for three point nine and three point four, countering one pick with the one pick for Jennings. Um, Anyone anyone think the 29-year-old Jennings is worth the 3.4 or 3.9? My roster is listed below here, so we're going to read off this guy's roster. He's got RG3, Fold, and Flacco at quarterback. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, Marshawn, uh, Chris Ivory, and D'Angelo Williams at running back. Wide receivers are 
Jeffrey, Moncrief, Fitzgerald, Garcon, Wheaton, Hearns, and Welker. Tight ends are Olsen, Reed, and Abron. Ebron, excuse me, and his picks are 1.4, 3.4, and 3.9. Long question there, Nick. What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, well, I think basically uh, the question boiled down to is uh, Jennings worth a 3.4 or 3.9 for Reggie Bush. I think if you're trying to win now, then uh, Jennings' trade is good for depth. I think you're already pretty set that though, running back with Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, guys like that. Uh, I would be trying to work on finding a franchise quarterback. That quarterback situation with just RG3, Foles, and Flacco would scare me a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I think the Jennings trade is good for depth. Uh, as far as Reggie Bush goes, it all just depends on where he where he ends up. If he signs with Jacksonville, he could be a top-10 running back. But if he goes to New England, I would stay away. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier with our friend Dynasty Dan about what if Reggie went to Philadelphia? That would be that would be fun. Even though they don't like to commit to one guy, that might be uh, might be fun and not necessarily a big a big change from what he was doing there and in Detroit. So yeah, with with it's hard to make this call with Bush without a team. Um, as far as investing a pick in a guy like Jennings, I don't think I would do it. I like him. I think he's going to be a, a decent player, but they already have a, a running back behind him that they're that they're going to they're going to want to move into the mix and I think they're going to use both of those guys a lot this next coming year as as Coffin basically tries to tries to salvage his job for one more year. I think I don't think I would give up there especially when you have Bell, Charles and Morris. I think you're pretty set there at running back. Um you know, you you have Jeffrey and Moncrief, Fitz, Garcon. I think I think you would certainly want to use that first pick on on a wide receiver, and uh, and maybe wait wait to address the running back situation until later. Because I I would rather I'd rather give up one of these third round picks to see you know if you see a if a running back slips to you, you know or if you see somebody sliding in the in your rookie draft. I'd rather give up you know. Even both of those picks, if you see somebody slip really, really far down in that draft that you really want to get one of those rookie running backs, if you want to do that. But I would certainly go wide receiver. Looking at the rest of your roster, I would go wide receiver first, and then uh, just just hold off and draft a running back. You know, Tevin Coleman said the name right this week. Tevin Coleman out there. I like Jeremy Langford. I think David Cobb's going to be a decent player. A lot of guys at DFW are excited about Mike Davis out of South Carolina. So there's certainly running back options later on in this draft. Um, uh, I could not think of a guy's name from Louisville. Dominique is his first name, but he's a, he's another guy that uh, I think a lot of people are, are excited about. So don't don't give up any picks for Jennings, as far as I'm concerned. Right, Nick. Unless you're just concerned about depth and really going for a championship run this year, yeah, the Jennings. If you're trading for him, it's probably just a one-year type of type of deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've, if you haven't noticed, Nick, I've been trending Flacco in our mock drafts, uh, getting tremendous value, getting a, a guy that you know is going to be the starting quarterback and you know is going to probably produce, even though there's some wide receiver questions right there, going to produce for the next couple of years. Uh, I, I have him on – on one of my dynasty teams right now. And uh, he was my savior last year because my other quarterbacks was Holden Bradford. So he was my absolute savior last year. So I, I, Flacco is the guy that I think is, you know, we don't want to buy into those older guys, but he's going to be the quarterback there for the next five or six years. 
I think unless something drastic happens, Baltimore is obviously very happy with them. So I, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good value there. And having that one down year really scared a lot of people. But I, I I'm trending Flacco for a reason because I like him and I like I like the the stability that he's in there. Let's uh, let's move on to the Chiefs. Um, and I should say last year I was trending Coles. So maybe <laughs> maybe that's a bad sign. But uh, let's we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, uh, moving on to the Chiefs, Nick. Uh, is Niall Davis the truest handcuff in the NFL? Oh, I think so. Right, he's a must own for Jamal Charles owners. Uh, last year, Jamal Charles played 665 snaps. Davis got 312 snaps. Uh, the next highest running back, excluding DeAnthony Thomas, who's he's more of an offensive weapon than an actual every down running back. Uh, so excluding him, no other running back on the team had even 30 snaps. Uh, Jamal Charles currently our number five ranked running back. He's 28 years old, though. He's played 15 or more games every year except 2011. So despite his size, he has been durable. Uh, you look at Niall Davis. He's played really well when given the opportunity. He's uh, 204 carries, 705 yards, and 10 touchdowns, plus 27 catches for 222 yards and a score in the passing game. So I think if Jamal Charles were to get hurt or something, uh, I think Niall Davis would be a top five back. He's a great value right now at our running back number 56. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, like you said, this team doesn't miss a beat if if Charles goes down because Davis, well, I don't think he's maybe a, as good of a receiver as Charles. Um, obviously, there's some other receiving issues there in Kansas City. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that you, you want to own. And if you're doing a dynasty startup, he, he, you want to grab him because if anything happens to Charles, he's going to be a hot commodity, like you said, a top top five picks. Oh, geez. it's now time to address the Kansas City wide receivers, Nick. Hold, I'm says here I'm supposed to pause for laughter and, <laughs> and say, uh, oh boy, what do we what do we think here? Obviously, Dwayne Bowe might be the only guy under contract. Um, now I saw recently that Anthony Thomas said he can be Antonio Brown. If they just give him a chance, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into that exactly yet. But what, what are your thoughts, Dick? Yeah, that's a pretty high mark to set. Antonio Brown's uh, one of the top receivers in the league for sure. Uh, you look at the Kansas City receivers, though. Dwayne Bowe, he's 30 years old, 60 catches for 754 yards. How, how many touchdowns did he score? Oh, yeah, no Kansas City receiver scored a touchdown last year. Uh, and other than Bowe, no other receiver had even 300 yards. As long as Alex Smith's the quarterback, I think there's just zero upside for the wide receivers there. Unless in your league, DeAnthony Thomas is listed as a wide receiver, he might be a possible rosterable guy. But uh, other than that, no, I, I, I don't like any of them. Uh, yeah, there's obviously this is a team, and we'll get to this here in a little bit, that needs to draft a wide receiver. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be more in the Parker, DGB, or DGB, yeah, DGB, uh, strong mix. But, uh, yeah, they they need some help. They need a big target. I don't think Dwayne, Dwayne Bowe has got, got the, the flash in him anymore that he once did. Um Travis Kelsey is a dynasty must-hold, but is his ceiling still to come there, Nick? What do you think? 
Oh, I think so. You know, we talked about Alex Smith hurting the wide receiver's value, but it helps the tight end's value because he checks down so much. Uh, he had eight fewer targets last year than Dwayne Bow, but had seven more catches, so 67, and over 100 yards more than Dwayne Bow had, 862 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, he's only 25 years old. Right now he's currently ranked our tight end number four. I think he's perfectly slotted there. I'd maybe even go as high as number three and put him above Julius Thomas just because I don't think Thomas is going to stay in Denver and his double-digit touchdowns are not probably going to happen anywhere else. So I, I think Travis Kelsey is definitely a must-hold. Yeah. Um, if you're doing a dynasty startup, like Nick said, you know, possibly a, a number four guy off of the board. Um, he's jumping above – is he jumping above Greg Olson there, Nick? Um, in Dynasty, yeah, I think so, just due to his uh, he's, him being a lot younger than Greg Olson. As far as a one-year league, I, I don't know. I'd probably put Olson a little bit higher, but they're pretty much neck and neck in standard one-year leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Carolina will probably add some add a receiver in this draft too, and that's going to maybe take a little bit of the value away from Olsen, you know, not to take anything away from him as a player. He's been a very solid player for a very long time, but uh, Kelsey is uh, Kelsey is rising, so certainly uh, certainly be on the lookout for them. Um, Justin Houston is the sack master there in Kansas City. They tagged him, Nick, but uh, is he the only IDP stud on this defense? Well, I think so right now. You know, we all hope Eric Berry can recover from his battle with lymphoma. We don't know if he'll play in 2015 or ever again, but he was elite, though, and if he can get back to that level, he would definitely qualify as an IDP stud. Uh, you look around the rest of the roster, though, you got 32-year-old Derek Johnson. His best days are behind him. He's currently our linebacker number 32. And uh, defensive tackle, Ontario Poe, he's a Pro Bowl defensive tackle, but unless you're in defensive tackle required leagues, he's probably not worth the roster spot. He's just not gonna not gonna get enough tackles there in a ID standard IDP leagues to to be uh to be to be uh effective I don't think. Yeah, he's more of a as we've talked about before a defensive tackle he's more of a plugger than a guy that uh guy that breaks through but he certainly makes that defense go. Um uh yeah Houston is and then Tom Taba Holly uh Tamba Holly those are those are the the big sack guys, but I don't think there's a whole lot other guys. We'll see if there's somebody else that emerges. Obviously, the Eric Berry story is you know is still to be still to be ended, so to speak. We'll see how that works out there. But uh, uh, I was a little surprised that Kansas City tagged him, but uh, we'll see we'll see how that works out there. They they, they obviously need a few other weapons there in defense. I think. Um, but this team is close. They're not. They're not far. Far away. They're. They're pretty close. And any thoughts there, Nick? Uh, I know we got a touch on already, but draft and free agency for this Chiefs team here. Well, it's going to be kind of a tough off season, I think. They're they're over the cap right now. I think the cap number is 157.6 million, um, and there's not a lot of work they can do. You know, Dwayne Bowe's set to make 14 million against the cap, but it would cost it would take a nine million dollar cap hit to release him. Uh, you look at Eric Berry; his cap number is 8.3 million. They could save nearly 5.5 million if they cut him, but that's God, that would be a PR hit, you would think. And a guy going through what he's going through. I think maybe the next collective bargaining agreement should include some cap exemptions for life-threatening illnesses. Uh, maybe that's something they could look into in the next labor agreement. But uh, it's a tough situation. You know, most of their top earners against the cap have played pretty well. You know, do they want to cut Tom Bahali, a great player, to save him $9 million? Uh, 
Sean Smith played really well. Five and a half million we would save from cutting him. Uh, the biggest name on the list, I think, that would be likely to be released would be the backup quarterback, Chase Daniels, set to make almost $5 million if they could save $3.8 million by cutting him. Um, you know, as far as their needs, you know, they should probably try to restructure some contracts to get under the cap and not have to release great players. Um you know, they could use a wide receiver that's not allergic to the end zone and uh they've got to replace some of their outgoing free, <laughs> replace some outgoing free agents. Uh their center, Rodney Hudson, is only twenty six, graded out pretty well last year. Also uh tackle Ryan Harris and guard Mike McGlynn on the offensive line. Uh they got a couple safeties, Ron Parker and Kirk Coleman, linebacker Josh Malga, uh yeah, so they've got some guys to replace, but they're probably not going to make a very big free agent splash given their cap situation. Uh, yeah, and like I said earlier, as far as if I'm drafting for this Kansas City team, I'm, I'm I'm looking at those three receivers there: Parker, DGB, or Jalen Strong. Uh, and I think I'd oh, it's it's so hard to choose between between those. Two guys, so those three guys actually. I think I'd probably throw DGB out because I just love Parker and Strong so much. Uh, but we'll see who is left there for Kansas City. Um, they do have a. Uh, didn't they also sign another backup quarterback there? Didn't they just sign Terrell Pryor or something like that? <laughs> or gave him some kind of weird deal? Um, so maybe Chase Daniel is on the way out. I, I love how these backup quarterbacks make so much money. Ah. Matt Moore, Blaine Gabbert. But anyway, uh, who got tagged? If we haven't hit them all yet, Nick, I think uh, I think we'll just clear it up here real quick. I know Dez, Demarius, Justin Houston, Steven Gadzkowski. Um, I'm not sure if I said Gadzkowski right, but who did I miss? Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul also got tagged in New York Giants. I do not understand that. He's clearly on the downslope there, Jason Pierre-Paul, and I, I, I don't understand that at all. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other defensive parts in motion there, but uh, not not crazy about that move there by the Giants. But uh, I know you those Redskins fans aren't going to lose any sleep over it. Well, what are your thoughts there on those guys that got tagged? Um, I don't think any of them are very surprising. Maybe Jason Pierre-Paul, especially given the fact that it's a $14.8 million cap number to tag him, but I think most of these guys we expected were going to get tagged. Yeah, yeah, some big names got cuts. Um, Chip Kelly continues to clean house as he cut Kerry Williams, who was very vocal about complaining about some practices. Greatest cut, Tyvon Branch. Uh, Victor Hampton got cut by the Ravens. Lance Moore by the Steelers. Uh, Darnell Dockett by, by Arizona. Chris Canty by Baltimore. Um, those are the big names. Brian Hartline, a little surprised by that move. And the Vikings also cut Charlie Johnson. That's not the wide receiver, is it? Um, no, that's the guard, excuse me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised by the Heartline move. I know he talked to Cleveland yesterday, and he's going to be talking to Chicago. I think he's a, he's a good value. I don't think he's going to demand a whole lot of money. He's obviously not going to get the Randall Cobb kind of contract. So if you can get him there for a couple of years, he can certainly help the team out. Steven Jackson is another big one uh, that got cut. What, what, are, what are your thoughts there on Steven Jackson? Nick? What, what does his future look like? Besides, Oh, uh, well, I don't. 
Yeah, yeah, he's not an every down running back at this point, but I think he could contribute as a third down back or a short yardage back. Uh, he could be a valuable piece in a running back by committee, but his his uh, fantasy value is definitely at an all-time low right now. Uh, yes, and almost non-existent in Dynasty unless <laughs> you're taking out doing a startup in the last the last round there, but. Uh, um. Uh, moving on to the Chargers. Uh, first question to you, Nick. Blank will lead the Chargers in rushing next season. What are your thoughts? Well, I've never been big on Ryan Matthews. Even if they bring him back, I wouldn't trust him. He's 28 years old, coming off an injury, and he's only played all 16 games once in his career. And as little as I trust Ryan Matthews, I trust Donald Brown even less. Uh, I don't know if you're old enough like me to remember burned cassette tapes, but, uh, you know, you get the album, but at a much lower quality. I kind of see Donald Brown as being the burned cassette version of Ryan Matthews. No, he's not quite as big, not quite as quick, not quite as talented, but similar styles, I guess. Uh Danny Woodhead, hopefully he comes back at age 29, but he's never been a typical running back. He's more of your third-down, pass-catching type of back. So I guess right now, uh, Brandon Oliver, he had 582 yards last year, played 14 games and seven starts as an undrafted rookie. He kind of seems to fit the mold of the type of player San Diego likes. You look at their roster, they don't have a lot of big-name wide receivers or running backs. More blue-collar type of workers there. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they did add a running back in free agency or in the first half of the draft. But Either way, I think a running back by committee seems pretty likely in San Diego. Uh, yeah, I, I like the like the Oliver pick there. I think that they can trust him, and they wouldn't necessarily have to go out. Um, I, on the other hand, absolutely loved Donald Brown when he entered the NFL coming out of UConn. I thought he was just going to be a monster, and unfortunately, injuries have kind of kind of gotten his way. I would have taking him over Ryan Matthews any day, but uh, they've certainly both have uh, burned out. Woodhead suffered a catastrophic injury. You just don't know how he's going to come back. So I, I think Oliver is probably probably a safe bet there, and he's a great value in Dynasty Leagues right now. If you're doing a startup, he's going way, way late, especially uh, in the in the mocks, you know, in the future. If you can get somebody like that way late, I think you're, you're gonna you're gonna be happy. Even even if he isn't the 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 uh, the breadwinner, so to speak, you're gonna get some value out of him because he's just going so deep into drafts. Um, Ladarius Green let us down last season, Nick. Oh man, did he let us down? What does 2015 hold for this guy? Well, yeah, I whiffed on Ladarius Green big time last August. Uh, in 2013, he averaged 22.1 yards per catch and had three touchdowns on only 17 catches. Uh, Antonio Gates is ancient, so of course Ladarius Green was going to break out last year. And eh, no, not really. 19 catches, 226 yards, zero touchdowns, under 12 yards per catch. Uh, Antonio Gates got 787 snaps to Green's 296. At 34 years old last year, Gates still had 69 catches, 829 yards, 821 yards, and 12 touchdowns. He's got an uncanny ability to still get open or shield defenders from the ball, even with a complete lack of speed right now. Can maybe Antonio Gates go to the veteran combine just so we can see his 40 time? Uh, <laughs> but 
Anyway, you know, Ladarius Green is far more athletic and six six two forty. He's got the size. He's fast, and he's in a contract year, so that could maybe provide some extra motivation. But the tools are there for him, but he just needs the opportunity. And whether or not he's going to get that is still very much up in the air. Uh, yeah, his value, like we said, was up last year. It's certainly going to be down, and that might be to your benefit because you know. Like you said, Gates is still producing, but he's not getting any younger. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if, if San Diego goes deep in the playoffs, if uh, if Gates hangs it up. So uh, certainly some good value there with Green. Don't uh, don't overpay for him, but uh, you know if you can maybe throw a throw a, a late round pick at somebody, or you can you know they really like one of your tight ends, just maybe uh, say hey, give me Green, and you have a deal. Um, yeah. Tough, tough year, though, when we expected big things from him, and uh, Gates just cannot stop producing. Uh, Keenan Allen is the face of the Chargers' future, Nick. We already talked about him, but uh, you want – but do is there is there any other Charger there, Nick, that you think can, they can build around? Um, well, as far as uh, dynasty leagues, I think Keenan Allen is definitely the most valuable charger to have right now. He's currently ranked our number 22 wide receiver. He did have a little bit of a sophomore slump. Even though he had 16 more targets than in his rookie year, he still fell from uh, 1,046 yards and eight scores to uh, 783 yards and four scores last year. But he's only going to be 23 this year. He's had over 100 targets each season, including 121 last year. He's not the most exciting player, 6'2", 211, good size, but not the biggest. He's not the fastest, but he's just a solid football player. Uh, you know, in one-year leagues, I think I'd maybe take Phillip Rivers over Allen, but at 33 years old, he's, Rivers has nowhere near the dynasty value that Keenan Allen has. Uh, no, he's certainly a guy that you could build around. And Like I said earlier in our dilemma, he's, uh, he's good enough to contribute now, but he's also going to make – you know, make that transition easier for the for the next quarterback that comes in too, because he's going to have such a, a great number one target now. And um, uh, people are a little down on him, not huge, but they're a little down on him. So make sure if you can take advantage of that, make sure you do so. Uh, free agent Marcus Gilchrist, who's probably going to be playing somewhere else next year, and Eric Waddell were really solid for this team in the back end last year, Nick. But who is who's the IDP guy up front for this? You know, I don't really see a lot of studs up front. Uh, definitely not linebacker. Their top linebackers are rank, uh, ranked 61, Donald Butler, and then Mante Teo at number 84. Um, the defensive line's not much better other than the defensive tackle, Corey Legit. Uh, he's our number 24 defensive lineman. He's only 25 years old this year. Going into his fifth year, he started all 16 games over the last three seasons, 30 or more tackles in each of those years, including a career-high 45 tackles last year. Uh, he's not flashy. He's not a big sack guy. Uh, his career high was seven sacks in 2012. I wouldn't expect that to happen every year, though. Uh, he's a borderline starter in standard IDP leagues, definitely a starter in defensive tackle required leagues. Uh, he's not a stud, but he's definitely a great bi-week uh, replacement. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably it. This team could certainly use a uh, a playmaker on the on the edge, and there's not a lot of people looking at that in mock drafts. I don't think uh, they, you know, this, this team wasn't horrible defensively last year, but they can certainly certainly use some help. You know, I think Jason Abrett's a guy that's going to continue to get better if you if you have to play corners in your IDP league certainly 
certainly take a look at him, especially in a dynasty format, because I think there's certainly some good value there. But uh, uh, I think this team is Bill Chris signs elsewhere because he's he's going to be a hot commodity. He's going to get a lot of money, and people people that need a safety are going to are going to be all over him, I believe. Um, any thoughts here, Nick, on the San Diego's uh, draft draft or free agent? Uh, well, they've got a lot of outgoing free agents starting the secondary. You mentioned Marcus Gilchrist, Brandon Flowers, Sharice Ryder, all free agents. Up front on the defense, uh, 35-year-old Dwight Freeney and also Ricardo Matthews are free agents, plus uh, Jared Johnson retired. Uh, offensively, at skill positions, we've talked about Ryan Matthews, also Eddie Royals, free agent. Uh, their offensive lineman, King Dunlop, and four of their centers, including the longtime center, Nick Hardwick, are free agents. Hardwick's retired, and he's already slimmed down to only 208 pounds. Great news for him, but bad news for anybody hoping they'd convince him to come back for one more year. So I think their needs just depend on who they lose, you know. Uh, the, they could use a pass rusher for sure. Nobody on this defense had even five sacks last year. They only had 26 sacks as a unit, so I think that could be something they'd look at. And they do have a lot of cap room to work with. Right now their cap number is only $114.7 million. Plus they could, uh, there are some guys they could free up even more room. Uh, Malcolm Floyd would save $3.5 million, Donald Brown $1.9 million. But they've got plenty of cap room to work with. So, you know, I think really as far as needs, you just have to look at who they're going to lose and who they're going to re-sign before you can identify for sure their needs. Hmm. With a lot of cap room, DeMarco Murray creeps into my mind. I don't, I don't know if they would be willing to do that, but, uh, you know, and they've certainly had their spell with uh, guys injured injured at running back, but uh be an interesting little wild card. That would certainly mix things up in that division a lot. And, uh you know this team kind of hasn't been the same has had had that same gusto since you know, Ladanian Tomlinson left. They could use they could use that player whether it be you know somebody at, at Murray's age or not. I wouldn't be surprised to see them draft a running back either. Um, obviously, we both talked about our our love for Oliver there, but they they certainly need that too. They could get somebody there for the future. But you're right, they need they need a pass rusher. Um, I don't know, you know. If, with a lot of room if they want to go after somebody like Brian Arakbo or not. But, you know, we talked about Brandon Marshall earlier. Certainly certainly a cheap option. Uh, Mason Foster is another another guy out there who's not a, not a huge IDP stud by any means, but he does just kind of get the job done there in the middle. He's leaving, uh, leaving Tampa, it looks like. So, uh, yeah, they they certainly have some holes to fill. Not maybe not as many as some other teams, but uh, they they need that pass rusher. I think should maybe be the first thing on their mind, and a couple adding a couple pieces pieces to the offensive line to protect that old quarterback wouldn't be a bad idea either. Um, uh, Nick, each and every week we do a little something that we like to call Nick rants, and it's where I give my co-host the floor to kind of rant about something that's uh, bothering him. Uh, usually it's already. So Nick, what do you got for us? Well, last week rumors surfaced that claimed a video existed of Des Bryant from 2011 that was supposedly five times worse than the Ray Rice video, and that the video was basically being auctioned off to the highest bidder. ESPN, I guess, had been chasing the video since September, and now multiple news organizations were chasing it, so it was assumed it would be released within days, but now over a week later, we don't even know if said video even exists. 
And with Nez's contract expiring, it couldn't have been worse timing for him. Now, I admit I have no insider information, but at this point, my guess is that it is a non-issue. Either the video doesn't exist, or it was purchased either by Dez's people or the Dallas Cowboys. But again, that's pure speculation, just a guess on my part. Here's what we do know for sure. Police responded to the call of a woman being dragged from her car into a car registered to Des Bryant. The police investigated, interviewed the woman, who said she was fine and was not assaulted in any way, and no charges were filed. Yes, it's another strange circumstance that Des Bryant was in the middle of, but if no charges were filed at the time, again, four years ago, then to me this is a non-story. If there was a video of the woman being dragged and only being dragged, it would have to be a pretty brutal dragging to be five times worse than the Ray Rice video. Don't get me wrong, it's never okay to lay hands on a woman, of course, but to be five times worse as it was claimed to be, there would have to be a lot more to it than what the police report included. I just don't think that this incident raises any more red flags about Des Bryant that weren't already there. So if I were the Cowboys, or more importantly, a Des Bryant fantasy owner, I wouldn't worry until or unless this video, if it even exists, gets released. And even if it does see the light of day, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out the media has just made a mountain out of a molehill. What do you think, Josh? I think it's I very think convenient, convenient news of that, news that, that, that Excuse me. That news that broke when it did pending, you know, pending free agency. I'm getting a little feedback. Can you hear that, Nick? Can you hear that, Nick? Uh, no. Okay. Well, okay. I'm just, I'm just hearing my wonderful voice wonderful talk back to me. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like I said, very convenient that it came out when it did, and I don't know what what it did to the the contract negotiation, but he was ultimately tagged, and I wonder, I wonder the role Dallas had in that, even even if just the news to break and whatnot. So, I would still be a little worried about it, but uh, I, if you're gonna if you're gonna draft him first overall in a dynasty startup, I, I'm I'm not gonna blame you. Uh, there is Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, but uh, I'll I'll just put that up. I think I, I would maybe push Brown ahead of Bryant just because I'm a little nervous and we all know what happened last year with Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson. So, uh, you know, he could be, he could be in for sitting down a year, but I, it's just, I don't know, weird timing. And I wonder what Dallas, what role Dallas had to play in it. But anyway, uh, like I said earlier, our March rankings are out. Uh it sounds like Nick's obviously had a little bit of time to peel through them. Any anything stand out to you? Anything that you're like, yeah, right on. I like where that where that guy's right. Um, not anything off the top of my head. You know, we mentioned earlier the Travis Kelsey at tight end. I would maybe bump him up a notch over Julius Thomas, just because I don't buy I don't trust Julius Thomas in this free agent situation. But yeah, I think uh, a lot of our ratings are pretty much spot on right now. But, but, you know, there's so much up in the air with uh, one week away from free agency starting, too. It's it's a little tough to judge a lot of these guys that are impending free agents. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, the rookie ranks I, I like a lot. Um, I cannot stay, help but stay high, excuse me, on Brett Hundley for some reason. I, I, I don't think he's a first-round first round pick but i just keep thinking oh you know what if you know what if he is you know the next the next the next warren moon the next uh you know dan faust with legs i think he i i really like his athleticism and i think he's got got an arm and he's obviously not the the top tier talent because people aren't talking about him but uh 
you know, he's he's a solid number three. Um, Sean Mannion's another guy, another rookie out there that's been gaining gaining a lot of steam. So uh, uh, I, I'm not totally sold on that yet, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see where he ends up. So there's certainly teams out there that need a quarterback in this draft. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Obviously, our IDP rankings probably change a little bit here with uh, with the news of uh, Alonzo on the move. Uh, we just Sean Kirby just broke a story about uh, about that trade. So make sure you go to Dynasty Football Warehouse and uh, and read that. But uh, not much has changed there. Uh, C.J. Mosley certainly proved that he's an NFL worthy linebacker, jumping up to number three in our linebacker rankings. Uh, Keekley and Levante David there at top, no surprise. A uh, uh, little surprised that we have Bowman so high as we do, but uh, people, I know people really like him, and um, looks like uh, Bruce is get, kind of getting him up there by ranking him third. So we'll see, we'll see how he comes back and recovers. But uh, make sure you go there and check out our rankings. We're, we're pretty proud of what, what we get, what our guys do there, and uh, make sure you you look at that, and you can see rankings from each individual writer too. So make sure you make sure you check that out. The rankings are up for March. Dynasty Football Warehouse. Um, otherwise, that's uh, all all we have for you, Nick. Any closing thoughts? Um, just one more closing thought on your Raiders. Uh, their cap number is only ninety six million right now, so they've got plenty of money to spend. Almost fifty million dollars under the cap. So. Wouldn't be surprised at all if Oakland made some big splashes. I have a feeling they are. Um, still not sold on two. I just not sold. Um, and I and I like the fact they're going after Randall Cobb. I don't love it. I like him a lot, and I think he could help. And he's young enough to be there for a, a handful of years. You know, if they if they get him, I want it, I want it, I want him to be there for five years. Um, as far as Julius Thomas, I don't know. I would like to see them add maybe maybe a playmaker in the back uh, of the defense. Gilchrist is a guy that I really love. But uh, anyway, Raheem Moore is another guy. I think they could use a little a little nastiness back there. Uh, I wrote a little bit more about Moore when we did our free agent review of this division, so make sure you go there and check to go to DFW and check that out as well. Otherwise, that's all we have for you. Next week, we have another fringe prospect by the name of Isaiah Fleming, who is ranked number one all-time in NCAA in terms of tackles. So make sure you check that out. Check that out. He is from Cheney University of Pennsylvania. Kate Lash from NFL Female to come on talk about the Saints, and possibly Eric Freeman from Felt Fans to come on talk about the Falcons as we dive deep into the NFC South next week. Make sure you check that out, and hopefully have a good week. Take care, Nick. You too.
kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.